A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to part three of our in-depth review of Skyfall. We get this lovely ship, I do agree, it's a beautiful looking object. And then we cut to a scene with M, who has received another spam email from, well, we don't know who from yet. The sort of the skull emblems, which we, which are actually featured in the intro, the, the title sequence, which I mentioned, that uh, that's, that's the link there. So we might have seen them in the back of our minds, a little hint there. And then she watches that YouTube video, doesn't she, with the... The agent's cover is blown. Chris, you weren't particularly that enthralled, were you, with the sort of techno plot? What did you think it was realistic or a bit boring just to see a YouTube clip? <laughs> I can't, I can't help but um, any sort of online cyber terrorism is 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 not for me. I think there are better ways <laughs> of visualising it. I think there are better ways of dramatising it. It's not to say, you know, again, it's it, it, you know, really. It's shorthand, isn't it? It's, it's like this is it's just getting through, you know, this is she's under threat and it's you know, it's it's basically a message, isn't it? You know, we, like back in the day you used to get like kidnapping letters that have you know it's ripped out from magazines. <laughs> this is like the modern day cosmopolitan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So no, it's not, you know, I, I, I you know, I have to sort of roll my eyes a little bit. But you know, it is it is what it is. It's driving the plot. It is trying to get us to the to the next scene, kind of thing. But um, yeah, I uh, I just want to chip in with uh, another mention of the Dark Knight here because it's <laughs> yeah, there are echoes of um, the video that Bruce Wayne and Alfred watch that comes on the news where you know, starting tonight, people will die. That uh, you know, I, I think there are some, some possible elements of that for being generous <laughs> uh saying possible um yeah i also think um and uh, you know don't want to keep bashing specter and, and other things but one of my kind of i might I'm, it might just be my like bad recollection of bond films and stuff even though i've watched, watched quite a few of them again recently but there seems to have been less and less show it actually showing the villains doing their bad stuff rather than it just sort of being reported second hand. 
you know, I, I particularly thought that during Spectre because there were things, you know, oh, there's been an explosion in such and such. I can't um, like South Africa maybe or something like that, and then something else. I can't remember, but they just don't, we don't seem to actually see the villains doing their bad stuff. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily mean you know once they meet Bond, often then you get something, or when Bond interacts with them, then they might kill the girlfriend or something like that. But them doing their day job <laughs> of being of being a villain. So yeah, that uh, you know, as well as being a bit of a rip off of, of the Dark Knight, I, I, I think it would have been. And I know that there's the, the they wanted to wait until Bond meets him for the first time for you for you to meet him for the first time. And I, you know, I absolutely love that scene when it comes and we've got it, you know, in a in a little bit. But if somehow we could have seen him doing the bad stuff, that would have been preferable probably for me. Unfortunately, I have to agree with Math about the Dark Knight scene on this. Um, <laughs> I, I will defend this film in many ways, but I do think there are certain parts that they're not even just like a nod, are they? I mean, it was just, it's a blatant, just, I, for me, it's basically the same storyboard bit as the Dark Knight itself in that there's certain things you can excuse, but I do think that scene pushes it too far. I, I have to apologise, John. The judge has, has just told me that I was uh, leading the witness. So I, I apologise because <laughs> I was I was goading Chris. I knew perfectly well what his eyes would be. I think I think I think math is right. I think I think I, you know. Regardless, I, I can see the parallels with with obviously Dark Knight, and I think fair enough. It's a great you know what a what a compliment to, to yes. try and copy you know that film, but I, I, but I, it sort of I think what what like what math is saying is that that that, that you know there's, there's there's a you know you could have shown a scene of a you know the henchman. You could have seen shown a scene of. Doesn't have to be Silver. It could be someone who works for Silver, to, just showing what he's up to. That he has this global reach. That he is, in fact, you know, very dangerous and is, you know, someone to worry about. And I think this is the the problem with the the the, the Craig era. And it sort of starts. I have to admit, it does sort of start in in with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Is the insular kind of you know oh, ma- making making Bond the centre of the story? You know, because like I said, I've mentioned you know there are parallels between this and the world's not enough, and I think you know that the moment that you, you make Bond the, the centre, <laughs> <laughs> because you can't. Because the problem is if if, if everything is if if, if the you know if, if the film is centred on Bond so much, you cannot cut away to a scene you know here we are in south africa and and something happens you're like like in diamonds are forever you go somewhere a completely different location and you show the the villain or his you know his you know you know assailants you know yeah exactly you know the the the, you know the people who are working for him who are doing something it shows that these films are truly global i think the problem is that you go from bond to Everyone comes to him, and I think that sort of makes it narrows the the the, the film. It like makes it less kind of um, let's say that sort of it narrows the narrative. Um, but yeah, there's there's an argument that not not that I think it, but there is an argument that I've seen that people believe that the guy who gets shot by Patrice is actually one of the five agents that's been uncovered. Mm. Which kind of brings that point is that maybe like he's paid Patrice to kill him because um, to do that. The only issue you have with that is is that the release of those five people 
that scene is actually after this man's been shot. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a, yeah a loophole there. Just I mean that that is quite nice in some ways, and I'd like I would quite like that to be true. The only other thing as well though that makes me think maybe not is that wouldn't M be aware that one of her agents was in Shanghai, and therefore why would they send Absolutely. she send Bond out there to get Patrice? Yeah, and once she've cottoned on that maybe that there's a there's a link there. I don't know. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not. As I said, yeah. I don't particularly go with it myself. <laughs> but I'm I'm just trying to claw back some points for Skyfall yes. before we get into the uh, <laughs> the unbelievable epic cinematic experience that we have oh, in yeah. the second half. But who who is the the person that he kills or he's trying to kill? I can't remember whether he's successful. He does kill. Patrice does kill someone, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah. 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 Do we? Who is it? Do we? I don't, I don't think, think we, we know. Ever know? Do we? We don't officially know. And we only see it from... But we know the that Bond from... is looking for him. They saw him previously, and they've, they've been given the intelligence, haven't they, to follow this Patrice guy. Yeah, yeah. So the, it's Patrice he's following. He doesn't know what Patrice is about to do. And then, like so, you know, we only see it from the view of their side of the sky, you know, the, from their skyscraper over. We never get a good look at the person that's that's killed. I think it's also... It, it also, you know... Acts as a an introduction for Severine in terms of you know because it shortly he'll, he'll say that line about you know you're used to guns or I can't or actually no maybe he talks about a Beretta there I might have got mixed Beretta, up yeah. but um, I don't know it shows Severine that she's obviously not flinching when an, a, an execution has just taken place right in front of her she's obviously yeah. used to that sort of stuff and she's in that yeah, world yeah yeah we mentioned it a bit in the Octopussy episode but you probably think this is a silly comparison but. The first time we see Magda coming into the uh, the auction, we don't hear her speak. We just see her and Kamal Khan, and even Gabinda. We see, and we don't. We don't. That's the only introduction we get, and we're already intrigued. So I think that this scene works very well for that, particularly yeah. because, yeah, like awesome. you say, wow, who's she? She surely she's going to be it again. She's not just going to be some person who happened to be in in the art gallery or room, whatever it is. Just going back to what you said about should you see. Well, I think you should see the villains carry out some kind of, not necessarily themselves, but at least ordering it or something like that. I, I, I appreciate part of this, the plot is that it's all a mystery. When the mystery isn't particularly personal to Bond, they could have at least showed one, perhaps one execution. Then it'd be getting a bit like, uh, I just, <laughs> just thought of the happening then. Those YouTube, the YouTube clip. <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen that. The, <laughs> There's a YouTube clip, isn't there? A zoo of uh, animals attacking pit Anyway, and then there's one where a guy Tom, drives when, into that tree. What, pretty scary. Yeah, when when you said, oh, yeah, actually, now this is reminding me of, I was not thinking that you were about to say M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, I have to admit. I don't think I was either. I think I just that just popped into my head. I was, I was originally going to... I was going to go with something as bait. Well, like A View to a Kill. I mean, you see Max Zorin, don't you? Chucking that guy down that propeller thing. Goodness me, that's awful. Yeah. I know this is all later on, and we will see Silver basically execute Severine later, which is pretty dreadful. You know, later on, of course, in A View to a Killer, we see, I mean, I think Roger Moore said he found it too violent, didn't he, when he just shoots Bob Connolly and those people in the mine. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> pretty well, bad well, for a PG. On, on A View to a Kill, we also have earlier Mayday executing um, Tibbet. Which is not that yeah. you know you don't yeah. see much. It's it's a lot implied, but that's quite horrifying. That you know 
and with brilliant music at that point. It is, yeah. I mean, well, there is an argument again given, that Ronson has died at the start of the film and indirectly Silver could have paid Patrice to have done that. I know we're clutching at straws, yeah. but I'm just... Uh, no, just no, it's not. I think it's just two different ways of doing it. I don't think there's a right and wrong. Yeah. So it was all Spectre, though. It was all Blofeld who, who ordered all this. We didn't know that at the time. Uh, <laughs> can we just leave yeah. that? Leave that the wreck on it. <laughs> I, honestly. Yeah. I'm, that, I'm, that is not it'll make me so depressed. Today, really. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And this is the problem <laughs> that the like when it when it comes to the bit at the end where we go about what can you change the vast majority of things I'd change about this film is actually about the next film that that exactly that's the problem isn't it It's not yeah. Skyfall's fault It's not Skyfall's fault I know Sam Mendes was obviously involved in Spectre but I doubt it was his idea wasn't it to link it back to a film he'd spent ages on and everything But anyway Purvis and Wade Purvis and Wade. <laughs> John Logan my, my, anyway sorry Chris I, know, I was just saying that, 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 that it's those little niggles when it comes to this film which it, which on the whole gets it right for a Bond film is that the, there's, there's those little shortcuts like it should reference to the fact that Ronson was actually murdered by Silver it should be referenced that you know that mm. the person who gets shot that, this, that bald bloke who gets shot in front of a painting is is someone it never gets spoken about again i don't know if this is down to the editing don't do with like the the rewrites and stuff but if you just reference to this it suddenly makes sense it kind of draws the threads in together and i think this is this is what what my frustration lies with 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 this, this film overall is that it does so much right but it just doesn't pull it tight enough for it to be a, a great Bond film. And I think if it, if it did bring in, like, well, actually, you know, there was there was something to do with Bronson being murdered at the beginning, and it was to do with Silver, you know, however indirectly or directly, you know, whatever. If it just did that, if it was just a bit tighter in its, you know, kind of in the construction, it would be a great Bond film. I think it does a lot really well. It could be great, and I think that's I think that's why I end up nitpicking with it because I, I feel like we're almost there. This is almost like Living Daylights. This is almost like modern day. You know, you you know I'm, I'm behind. <laughs> I'm totally behind it. And when I first watched it, I was behind it. And watching it again, I'm just like, oh, if they just tied this in, if they're just being a bit tighter in the storytelling, this could be great. And I th- and, and again, it's just it's, it is a little bit frustrating, kind of watching it. Because um, it just it just requires just a little bit just to pull it all together. Oh, bless him! Do you, no, I, th- I do. I don't want to say just just yet that. Uh, well, me in particular, don't think there's any merit in this film. There is an awful lot of merit. And as I said at the beginning, the, the first night I watched it at the cinema, it was like brilliant. Bond is back to an extent, but he's back. I think Math said he's not had as much enjoyment at the cinema, particularly in watching a Bond film, possibly since. Goldeneye, so. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Don't worry, John, there are plenty of positives yet to draw out, and we're going to get to some of those now. You can't disagree with what Chris said. No, no. It's minor quibbles to one of the better scenes, certainly in the first half of the film. We mentioned this next scene. Because we, when we talked about Money Penny and the, and the chemistry, so even though I thought people were going to be fairly positive about it, I'm not sure they are now. So Bond's in this gorgeous hotel lit by Deakins, looks very oriental. We did criticise the fact that you don't really see any 
Chinese people or people from Macau or natives or anyone, any extras, no extras. Are doing. Obviously, it's topless. That's contractual with Daniel. We then hear a voice at the door. <laughs> Do you think the audience were meant to think, who's this? Because Naomi Harris's voice is quite distinctive. I, I thought, oh, well, this can tell that's her. I didn't ever feel tension. I don't, I don't, I don't think this plays out like, let's say, live and let die when Whisper knocks on the door in the hotel room. It doesn't. Your champagne. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, it doesn't play like that, and I don't <laughs> think it's supposed to. So, to be honest, because of that, I didn't ever really wonder who it was. It it, it didn't lift my intrigue, to be honest. Were we meant to think who is it though? I don't think so. No. I think well, it was just it's just a scene where she arrives and that's it. There was no like he draws his gun and it's a bit like, Oh, I'm under attack here. Yeah. It's very much who's that? I'll uh, live and let it die. Oh yeah. I, I could do with the shave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just the scene in general, they're obviously trying to get that free son, as we keep saying, between the two of them. Almost have a good necking, but they don't, do they? They, they hold back because that would ruin. Did, did, when you were watching for the first time, did you think there was a chance they might? Oh, they actually had a bit of a, a sesh together that is never talked about again. <laughs> I, I think I did. I, I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I, 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 he pulled I, the top. He pulled. I the top. fully interpret it as them having yeah. a sesh. Like well, he undoes you, the yeah, top. You, did. you think they did? Yeah, hundred really? percent. Yeah. And then this. The, yeah. The oh, wow. We'll find thing. the one who's been wrong all along. <laughs> this is massive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the following scene is all like there's a bit of free song, you know. There's there's a sort of you know there's a bit of banter, isn't there? There's there's a bit of and I was about always like when I first watched it, it's like no, they didn't. But then on rewatch, I thought I think they did. Oh wow. I mean that that undoing the the button. That undoing the butter thing, harking back to the old school, well, what some people would say, uh, sexual harassment <laughs> bond. In terms, of, you know, it's 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 a bit like Roger Moore with the lady in Rio when he says, "How do you spend four hours in Rio?" When he pulls, <laughs> oh, yeah, her, he yeah. pulls her um, <laughs> nighty. It's got it's de- or or Helder Brown when he's like unclipping the bra. And it's 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 definitely got that old school kind of leery attitude to it, but. I have to be honest, even though it's not very vogue for this day, and it's obviously, you know, Me Too movement, and we have to respect that. That's the long. I found it very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just found it very entertaining because it was a a nod back to the old kind of bond, and it's 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 done better than the incredibly awkward scene with um, Luciana Schiara in the next film. Oh, Oh yeah. Well remembered on the pronunciation of yeah. very good. Yeah. For such a disposable character. <laughs> but in this scene, you know, she at least Money Penny is you know, the the the, 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 the scene is is playing out as a you know, that the, they're both sort of interested. Yeah. It's not it's not leery. It's not that this bond is, you know, trying to overpower her or it's like she's, you know, she's, you know, it is a kind of a, a give and take kind of, you know, this, the, she's flirting with him. She, you know, he's flirting with her. And I think that's what makes it kind of, even though he does pull at a top kind of thing, but it, it, it's, you know, the following, the, you know, there's a scene later on, which is a bit more sort of questionable. I thought both of them did, did decent in the acting stakes. I thought this is one of the better played scenes. I thought there's chemistry. I agree with you, Tom. And 
Chris and John, you're you're not sure that there was much much chemistry, but I I was I I thought this I thought this scene I, I quite like it, and even though I think I was a, I was a little bit like whoa 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 because I was thinking this is money penny or you know whether I was thinking well sure it can't be money penny if they're about to but it, it stopped short of showing them actually like kiss or anything so I wonder if that was them trying so to do that to to to, to show well just because you so that you don't have that. <laughs> You know, I don't know an image of them kissing or something. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I don't mind. I don't. I quite like this scene, and I, you know, I think they're both good actors. I'm not saying there's lightning chemistry, but I, you know, I, I, I think, I think there's enough. I'm not so absolutely anti Craig, but one thing I will <laughs> say is, is that I think that one of his criticisms is he lacks chemistry with a lot of women. In fact, I think the only woman he mm. actually has any chemistry with is Eva Green in Casino Royale. And I think that that is because he's like young. He is um, naive. He's falling in love and you actually buy it. But since that, I don't think there's anyone he's had chemistry with who's a woman, actually. I I think all of it's a bit stilted. And to me, whilst this one, this one's quite light natured. In fact, it's probably the most light natured out of all the Craig ones. So it comes off better than most. But I still don't think Craig is brilliant at banter or being light-hearted. So it still I've comes across you, awkward. I've missed you, Q. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that in the trailer. <laughs> if this was Pierce Brosnan and Naomi Harris, I'd be think this is a great scene because Pierce just had his way about him. But I think it suffers because it's Craig. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I completely agree. I think, I think, I think he's not comfortable with it. He's not comfortable with that. And that, you know what? Play to his strength, you know. And and in Casino Royale, they sort of did. And, and later on, it became a bit like, Ooh, this is a bit, this is this is a bit sort of yeah, a bit awkward. But I, you know, I think it's a great. I think it's a it's a nice scene. I think it's not maybe not the most original scene, you know, kind of shaving that kind of thing. But it's nice that it is. You know, did they? Didn't they? You know, and, and like like you say, it's like oh no, like you know, I, I'd rather not know that they, you know, did it. You know, <laughs> there's there's that ambiguity because there's a lot of baggage there. You find out that 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 you know, Bond and Money Penny once had a bit of a a dalliance, but I'd rather not know. So there's an, there's enough ambiguity, I think. Um, the following scene has a little bit of banter that just sort of makes you question whether they did or didn't, but. Um, I'd rather not, to be honest with you. I'd rather not know. There's a, a reference in the scene, again, we mentioned it, about, I think, old dog, new tricks, just to make sure that yeah. the audience realise this is a theme that's running through and that she's new like, and he's old or something. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's too old for her. Didn't get that. <laughs> no, I thought... I, you're meant to be bigging him up. No, I'm, I'm the one uh, bigging up Craig in this scene, to be honest. But we'll move on. <laughs> to, right, right. We're here. We're here to a scene. I think we certainly most of us appreciate most of the scene. We're in Macau at the casino, and we get Bond famously arri- arriving in a barge like a beauty queen, passing dragons, and we've got fireworks. We've got a bit of the Bond theme turning into the the Adele song, and you think. Here we go. This is this is James Bond. This, we're watching a James Bond film now, and I know John. Uh, sorry, Chris. You've said in the past when the Bond themes used in the Craig films, it feels a bit 
anachronistic because you think, oh, yes, hang on, I am watching a Bond film. But I don't think that was the case for this. I thought it tied in. And it's a gorgeous suit that is navy blue. As a true tuxedo should be. It should be midnight blue. Everyone knows <laughs> Well, Steve Martin. A, a true tuxedo is not black. Bride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Who's the guy in the blue top? He was right, then. He was right. Yeah, he was. Another reference you didn't think you'd be uh, hearing tonight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> the happening to Father of the Bride. Especially not for a we Korean film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Matthew, you uh, you a fan of this uh, entrance of Bond? Uh, yeah, I am, yeah. I think it looks absolutely sumptuous. Yeah, it's, it's It's an interesting way, you know, on the little boat. Um, I think he's stood up, is he? Which, uh, you know, it's quite, I don't know, yeah. there's something quite original about it. We hear the instrumental of, of Skyfall. It looks oh. great in the in the DJ, and yeah, I think I think it's sort of prime Bond. This is this is this is the most Bond I think during the Craig era. I think this is proper proper Bond, and it, it feels good. You know, it's good when you see a scenery and you want to go to the location. Yes, and that's what it does. You look at it and you go, "I want to go to Macau because that looks a flipping yeah. brilliant place." Such a shame that it was filmed at Pinewood, then, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, think well, some of it I think some of it was in Macau. To be fair, mm-hmm. I, I'm not absolutely sure. I think some of the some of the exteriors, but still, I'm not I'm not taking it away. It's great set. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a lovely set, and it's a great introduction for Bond to arrive. You know, and the, the, like I say, the music, the way it's shot, the the, the dragon heads, and all and everything is. He's firing all cylinders there. The only other time I think you felt for me like that for Craig was when he first donned the dinner jacket in Casino Royale in the hotel room. He thought, whoa, that's that's James Bond there. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> right. So Bond, Bond is in the casino now. Again, trying to be positive. It backfired. We see a little bit of the Komodo dragon pit. We'll get, get more of that action later. We get a bit more flirting with Moneypenny because they're on each other's earpieces as they sort of wander around. Very nice dress from Moneypenny. He then cashes in his casino chip. Gorgeous, John. He's then given an, a massive, huge, great big briefcase of cash. And then he meets Severine, who is smoking, which is quite unusual mm. for the post-Brosnan, post-Tomorrow Never Dies, filthy happy mm. era. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, <laughs> a nice introduction to her. She's She's still intriguing. Yeah, I remember the fact that she was smoking. Uh, that featured in like a, a magazine review that I saw of it, or in a newspaper or something. I remember that being made a point of. But yeah, I mean, she's she's absolutely stunning. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, it's 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 very Bond all this, and I think he gets a, a Bond James Bond introduction. You know, as in he he says it, which I can't. I, I, I struggle to recall when he said it in his films, to be honest with you. You know, I wouldn't have remembered that it was at this point, even though this is a very Bond environment, a sort of casino in an exotic location to uh, to a, a beautiful woman. Whether I'm always convinced when he Is says it. Camera on it. it. I, um, I, can't, I can't really remember. But in terms of his like delivery... Yeah. have a proper zoom in on him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe... I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I can't remember. Well, I was going to say, we get one catchphrase, Bond, James Bond, but then, I think Chris is about to say it, 
it's almost a point made that we don't want to hear the other catchphrase. Yeah, no, exactly. That he gets the obviously you just get to see, you know, the bar person shake, not stir, and pour it out, and he says, "Perfect," and that's it. But really, that's it's like, why are we why are we doing this? Why, why doesn't he just say it? Say the line. Come on, Dan. Yeah. Say the line. <laughs> do, you think it's, do you think it's because they didn't want to get the two big quote, you know, big quotes right next to each other? All right. Do you think that would have been a bit overkill, maybe? I, I'm I'm speculating. You're ordering a drink though, you're normally allowed to say the name of the drink. Joking apart, could it be something down to actually like promotion and licensing? Like they're not, they're not actually allowed to say it because they've not paid enough money for promotion or something like that for the film. It, it takes it away from his Heineken as well. You know, he should have ordered <laughs> yeah. a Heineken. Well, that, that, that could well. Be joking apart, that's the kind of thing I'm getting towards. Because he mentions that. Heineken <laughs> and he and he mentions um, Macadam. What is it, fifty five or whatever? Later on, it is just it's it it grates a bit that he doesn't mention the iconic martini. Hmm. Especially when you're doing a 50th year anniversary film, where yeah. they're trying to put these odes into it, there's got to be a reason why it's not mentioned. And then given that the incinerator, you basically see the invention almost of it with the yeah. this is what I'll, I'll yeah, name yeah. it the Vesper. It's, it is a straight, it is at odds with, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's totally just like, well, you can't say James Bond, James Bond, and vodka I mean martini shaking not stir in the same scene. I don't know, but. Which seems ridiculous because you can. It's not a Kevin <laughs> McClory film, for goodness sake, is it? It's not never <laughs> said out of death when we weren't allowed to use it. <laughs> exactly. <it's not> <laughs> Too many trademarks in one scene. Trademarks. Um, I, I love I love this scene. <laughs> I think this scene's brilliant. One thing I always notice with uh, Severina and her smoking, um, she needs to learn when to flick her ash. Have you ever seen how long <laughs> the ash is hanging off her cigarette? It's it's bigger than the cigarette, <laughs> and I, like I'm I'm completely distracted by this scene every time. Oh. Like she's talking away about about a sex trade, or James is talking about a sex trade, and and it's really like serious stuff. And you're thinking, oh dear. And all I can think of that cigarette's going to drop any minute. <laughs> that ash is going to go any minute. It's going to drop and is shaken, not stirred, non martini oh, no. any minute. Well, do, do you think that could be a a show don't tell type thing? Um, where I know I know I watched uh, the film Changeling recently, and um, oh yeah, and when uh, the detective, you know, uh, Michael Kelly, the actor, he's talking to a child about some awful thing that I won't no spoilers, but uh, about an awful thing that he's been witnessing. And in that, and it's made much more obvious um, by Clint Eastwood, like his the ash in his cigarette is just really long because he's just totally the detective's totally captivated by what was being said and appalled and everything. So I don't know whether in this, wow. in whether it's being used here as though she's so like kind of captivated by by him, so distracted that she's not noticed that her cigarette. I, I'm, I'm again, I'm. <laughs> I think, I, think, I, think, I think you're on to something. I think you're on something. I think, I think because Brilliant. this is where she is actually genuinely good, is that when you get later on the scene where she says, where you start saying, I think you're scared, and your hands yeah, start yeah. to shake, I think there is something in that. I think maybe this is where Mendes, as an as a, as a actor's sort of director, works really well. That there is, you know, she, she gets that. And, and that. and that's why they do have the cigarettes. That it, it, it is a visual illustration of her hand shaking. And you are looking at a hand because she's smoking as opposed to if she was just sat there with a drink. It maybe wasn't so obvious, but 
Maybe there is. I know. I, I, I think you're, maybe you're on. I love the line about how he talks about hiding berettas in um, in dresses, and then she just quickly comes back. Well, people don't carry Walters in suits or whatever. Just a lovely little reference. I, I always take that. It probably isn't, but I always take it as a nice little ode to Doctor No when he um, when M replaces the Beretta with the Walter as well. And I just think that's a nice little subtle heart back to that which is as much of that as possible for me yeah a nod done well though yeah we talk about how um, rude Bond is dropping his earpiece (laughs) into Money Penny's glass of champagne frankly that is yeah (laughs) disgusting yeah (laughs) it is an ear that's sexist isn't it come on mate well misogynist (laughs) he doesn't need to do that I don't know why I don't actually know why he does that make him like him doesn't he <laughs> it's uh, Craig's attempt at banter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about as good as it gets for Daniel. Like yeah, <laughs> shanty. Yeah. <laughs> just, just going on to the, the character of Severine more widely and Berenice Marlowe. I hadn't seen it for a couple of years, maybe two or three years, maybe. And I was thinking of it might have been we were going through the Bond girls of chatting about the Bond girls of the Craig era. And I was thinking, is I couldn't even remember. Is there a Bond girl in this film? Is there like a proper main Bond girl? And then I think Math was like, oh, yeah, it's Severine. And I was like, oh, well, yes, yeah. And I thought, well, there's normally there's normally two, aren't there? Even in like the living daylights, okay, you've got Kara's by far the main one, but you've got that bird on the, the boat in, in the beginning <laughs> is a little. Playboy is intense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the one in the sort of fake iceberg in A View to a Kill as well. But anyway. So so he has four, doesn't he, in A View to a Kill? Yeah, yeah, a license kill, yeah. Yeah. Oh but, uh, you, yeah. A View to a Kill is a disgrace. <laughs> He's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> he does all right, Roger, doesn't he? As, he? as he's bowing out, he gets yeah, he gets about enough. Yeah. <laughs> Polar even over. He gets four in Moonraker as well, but but because he's not nearly sixty, it's not acceptable, but you can believe it a bit more <laughs> than uh, that scene in a view to a kill when they get in the iceberg. And it, uh, no, it's just, oh, Commander Bond. It's like, shut up, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's five days to Alaska. <laughs> then the best, one of the best songs ever. Anyway. If I could have invented a Bond girl, it would have been Baroness. You made such a bold entrance into a little drama. Because she has all the components of a classic Bond girl, by which I mean a woman, not a girl, sexy, mysterious, and she happens to be a fantastic actress. Only a certain kind of woman wears a backless dress with a Beretta 70 strapped to her thigh. One can never be too careful when handsome men in tuxedos carry walkthroughs. She's really a femme fatale, a strong character who doesn't fear anything. And then the mask drops, and you can see the vulnerability in her character. I want to meet your employer. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Not like him. Sam Mendes and Berenice Malo. 
describing her character, Sephrine. I remember her quite a lot. So when I watched it again, I was much more enthralled with the character and I thought she was made much more of an impact this time round. So I do... I don't think she's quite in it as much as a normal Bond girl, but she certainly makes enough of an impression to be classed as a Bond girl. And like you say, it, M is probably the Bond girl. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. In a different yeah. respect. Yeah. I suppose yeah. Money Penny is Money Penny's the other one you'd, you'd say, isn't she? But yeah, but if I you discount that's quite the staff. <clears throat> yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I was just trying to remember when I when I was thinking back to it. You know, she's a Bond girl, but she isn't because ultimately she becomes Money Penny. But we don't know. She, we're not supposed to know she's Money Penny at this point. You know, so it's to be revealed at the end. Worst kept secret. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Terrible. She was very high on the listing, wasn't she, when it first when it was first announced, Skyfall, and um, you know I remember that shot where it had the main cast, and she was very much portrayed as the Bond girl in it. And when you actually see, she's probably got, well, she's got five minutes of screen time. Would you say altogether something like that? Maybe a touch more. There's not much more, is there? Really. I don't think it's a waste of a character because I think she serves the purpose and I think that she um, especially the the execution, it's quite harrowing and it shows the brutal side of, of Raoul Silver but she's a very she's a very tragic mm. character isn't she, I mean we haven't she, she harks back to the days of like Miss Anders from uh, Man with the Golden Gun, she's a kept woman yes. who has a tragic ending yeah it, it just reminds us that Bond's human that he doesn't save everybody, and yeah, she wanted a happy ending, and she doesn't I think get of the Alec Trevelyan quote: <laughs> "The silence, all the girls' screams that you didn't save." Or what is it yeah. from Goldeneye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when you said John that she was quite uh, front, right, and centre in the promotional campaign, that was a bit like Monica Bellucci, wasn't it? You thought, oh, brilliant! You know, looking forward to her having a decent part in it, and then. I couldn't, but I was a cameo, wasn't it? Absolutely outrageous. It's oh, <laughs> the waste. And it wasn't. It wasn't a nice cameo either. What a waste! Yeah. If they had in, if they had a decent script writer, she uh, James Bond would have quit MI6 to have gone and lived with Monica Bellucci at the end because it's a far more course, believable. Yeah. Well, it would have fit. I know. And then that would have carried on yeah. to this film. Yeah. Precisely. Indeed. When. She'd amazingly probably be 60 by the time it comes out uh, this time. But <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but, uh, Berenice Marlowe, anyway. She said she drew inspiration from Xenia Onatop's character. But I, I can't see any real link between those two characters, really. Can you? Not at all. No. Not on the surface. She's better than what she's given. I think she, she her performance is much more well-rounded than almost that role deserves. I think she's a better actress than that that role is written. I think uh, you genuinely feel some sort of emotional connection with her, whether you believe Bond's speculation about her backstory or, or just the fact that she's she's murdered terribly. I think she, she comes across as a genuine, comes across as a, a real performance. Maybe not a real role, uh, but I think she. I think she's. I think she's really. I think she's very good in this. It was apparently her first role as um, in a film as well, wasn't it? 
apparently she'd only done TV before it. So fair play to her. Got a history of that with Bond films, haven't they? Even even the ones who weren't dubbed. Still can't believe <laughs> how many were dubbed. <laughs> Naomi John. So sorry, we're still getting over that. I think that's a good scene. I think it's a good scene, and there's, I think Thomas Newman does a bit of his own, his more style of music over it, which he's better at. Yeah, uh, it's well lit and everything. It's quite a nice, long, decent scene of dialogue. We then get uh, a fight scene, which is nice, always good, and it's sort of not comedy, but there's a bit of comedy in that the whole fight is centered around the briefcase, isn't it? Which is quite a good visual gag and arguably one of Sam Menes' better fights. Or not. <laughs> Well, you know, I was like, maybe it's my internet that was pausing there. Maybe not you two, but I, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a good fight sequence. I think it's, you know, he proper like gives it to them. I think there's there, there, there are you know references to to live and let die with the yeah. jumping on the um, sure, absolutely Komodo, the Komodo yeah. dragons, yeah. you know, and and yeah. there is again, there is a bit of a wasted use of the gun and then obviously there's the whole behind the scenes CGI glove thing and the hands. Do we know about the no, hands? No, no, do tell us about the hands. No, t- no, please tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so through this entire scene so through the entire uh, Macau, you know, casino set if you look at if you look at Daniel Craig's hands they're quite fat uh, the reason for that is <laughs> that, that during one of his off days during production, so he was off, you know, he decided to, he's, you know, he wasn't shooting, decided to go off and went shopping and found some lovely gloves and thought, these are great for the character. I love these gloves. This is, this is, this is Bond. Turned up on set the following day, went to Sam Mendes, who was completely snowed under with, everything, the logistics. And he went, what do you think about these for Bond? He went, yeah, yeah, whatever. So for the start, it started, so for the scene, he's wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> until they get to the whole idea, until the conceit of him wow. holding a gun that couldn't actually read his palm. And suddenly the, everyone on set went, oh no, we've shot several <laughs> days with him wearing these gloves. Yeah. It won't work because he's wearing gloves and it won't recognise the pistol. <laughs> so everyone, yeah, exactly. So everyone slapped their forehead and went, oh no, what are we going to do? And so if you actually look really closely, Daniel, Clay, Daniel Craig's hands oh, are CGI'd skin. So that's why he has fat <laughs> hands, is that they're basically CGI'd over the gloves he was wearing with the suit and it cost them Chris, Chris, so is that throughout the whole scene or just for this action? Just that, yeah, yeah. So the Macau, that whole kind of casino. Throughout the whole film. On set, he's wearing gloves, yes. <laughs> and then he realised, well, it doesn't work, does it? Because if he oh. takes his gun out, it won't Where need he... his part, and so therefore he doesn't play off when the Where other guy takes his gun. Wearing gloves with a tops as well, I don't know, unless you're an assassin, <laughs> which he is, well, but yes, he's not supposed yeah. to be. No. It's a terrible... It just highlights again that Craig doesn't understand Bond, though, doesn't it? Like, I'm going to go to the middle of Macau and I'm going to come back and I go, hey, I've got some thin silhouettes here. Should we try these out? You know? 
Alan the amount of driving. Is that what it is? Is that why he's wearing his lovely leather? <laughs> yeah, for driving clothes and his pin part. Yeah, goodness me. Ten yeah. minutes learning. Spring back. Yeah. <laughs> think, about, yeah. think of the abuse though that Henry Cavill and. Uh, Batman Super <laughs> was, I mean, no, Justice that. League got the CGI moustache yeah. and then we, it was this is way well yeah. but it's worth <laughs> if you go back and watch the scene it has very fat hands <laughs> and that's because someone basically <laughs> got a bit of a fat hand flesh <laughs> over his glove it's all happened to you when you hit 40 yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this yeah. is brilliant. <laughs> the, the scene itself. There's another film it reminded me of. A film I've I've praised nothing to do with bombs a few times already. On the, the, the Sarlacc Pit from Return mm. of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very much. Definitely. So. Like creature emerging from the shadows. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it being a bit of a, a pit as well. But yeah. And then it obviously uh, references the Lion King at the end of it as well. <laughs> with the uh, the circle of yeah, life. Yeah. Can someone? I might be being thick. Can someone? So explain, what, what does that? What does that mean? What? What's that? Quit. So, or, what, what, what? my interpretation of it, and I might be reading far too much into it, is is that on the original Elton John song, not the Lion King one. The original song lyrics are: "It's the circle of life, the wheel of fortune." And before he put says put it all on black, like it's a like it's a roulette wheel. <laughs> so that's my like really. That, that is an incredible really link, John. Wow. I'd be staggered <laughs> if that were uh, that were true. No offense, mate. That, <laughs> no, I, well, I don't know what else. You'd it rather means, it so made no sense. Yeah, see me. I don't. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right, okay. No, this film is falling apart between between. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I feel sorry for it. <laughs> we get the bomb theme though as he leaves, so that was nice. <laughs> We're not Elton nice. John, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> who I maintain will be good at doing a bomb song. Don't laugh, don't laugh. Imagine the piano chord. Yeah, I've a problem with that. We eventually then get, of course, this. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a difficult scene to talk about, isn't it, really? I mean, it's a bit problematic is the word. Let's just say that uh, there was criticism from the National Sexual Violence Resource Centre. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Which of that, having screened the film, expressed concern that Bond abuses his power and authority in the scene that suggests Bond initiates sexual intercourse with Severine, a former victim of sex trafficking. Were they right? Yes. one of the few like this is really is questionable that in the previous scene he talks about how well he rather he speculates that she is a victim of sex trafficking and therefore you know and 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 says what we what when were you taking like 12 13 we're talking about like child rape here and yet he turns up yeah, you didn't think we were hearing that on this yeah. uh, podcast. <laughs> well, there we go. This is what yeah. makes it so inappropriate. Is that, that he then turns up on the yacht. Was he wearing his gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wearing his gloves. He was naked. Yeah. yeah, nursing a semi, you know, kind of wandering into a shower <laughs> with her naked, knowing that, 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 that he has, that she has, <laughs> that she's a victim of this. And I think it's, it is... I, I, and I, no I, I know I completely agree. I I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do agree shocking. with you, uh, Chris. Is just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit. Is the fact that she's clearly just before that, very very clearly waiting for him, and she's gutted, and it's like, okay, then not way what whatever you call it, you know. Well, I guess we better get going. Yeah. That's to say, you know, <laughs> she's she's disappointed that he hasn't come. She, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's dis- she's disappointed. <laughs> That he hasn't been early. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. This is going to be a higher rated show than the actual film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to have to bleep this out. I get, no, I, I completely agree with you. That it is the, the, the scene is set that he's supposed to arrive and they're supposed to have the share the champagne. But he yes, doesn't. Yes, they were. And she's in, the, she's, she's in the shower and she's upset. And he turns up Don't knowing. Shoot. You know, or rather, speculating her past. I think it's it, it, it is incredibly inappropriate. If he had arrived and, and she got out of the shower and he was sat there with a glass of champagne poured, that it is it is a, such a different scene, a completely different scene. And I understand where they took offence with that because I do think it is very questionable. It's it completely it is how it's played out. I really don't want to use this phrase, and you're going to laugh, but is it is it? <laughs> Is it worse because it's he, Bond enters from behind, <laughs> as if because she can't see him, it's, it's she's sneaky up on him. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I think it is. It would have been a bit weird if she just stared, just stared at her, you know, yeah. as he went in. That probably. Yeah, well, exactly. There, there, are, there are a million ways. There, there are uh, maybe not a million, a dozen ways to see the scene, <laughs> and one of them is. Karma Sutra. For her to see him arrive, you know, but the fact that he come, that he approaches her from behind in the shower, 
<laughs> given what he's speculating about her past, is very yeah. questionable and offensive. <laughs> you, if you'd done it completely, if, if, if she turned and he was there approaching from the door of the yacht and beckoned him in, that is, it's suddenly, it's, it's a very yeah. different scene. And, and, and that's, that's where I take offence with it. Do you think it's um, another example of the producers having that misguided view of trying to bring back old elements of the Bond film? So you think of like yes. you've got I can't I can never remember a name, but the lady at the at the clinic in Thunderball, where Sean Connery completely just sexually Molly. harasses her, basically, and mm, Molly, yeah. that's it. Yeah, Molly, his game, yeah. Good film. Um, and then you've got you've got Pussy Galore, obviously, which, you know, is ridiculous. <laughs> and then whilst Roger doesn't um decide to go into the shower, he certainly has a dirty smirk on his face when he looks at Miss Anders in the shower as well. And I and I <laughs> I wonder well, if we, it's we again <laughs> a water pistol. Uh we, we see again that is it just the producer going, oh, let's heart back to some of those old elements of Bond, but they just get the wrong ones again that the ones it's think, yeah, oh, I no. Think <laughs> oh, totally no, yeah. <laughs> I completely think that's Yeah, in all seriousness, I, I think it is. I think it, it, they are trying to sort of, oh, this is something that, you know, Roger or Sean would have done. But given this, what, what you, the only sort of like, characterization you get for that character for, 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 for that for her is bond speculating that she's this is her past which is that she was raped and sexually sex <laughs> and for him to, <laughs> to appear really, that is just tone deaf and offensive <laughs> and again like you can you can you can just bums, you, know. you know you can go oh well you know what it, it, you know that character's being a bit cheeky but she, 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 yeah, she's 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 a victim of sex trafficking, and we're supposed to be like, oh, this isn't isn't this romantic? Hang on a minute. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, Mendes. Mendes has got a two out of two record, hasn't he, for rapey scenes? I mean, you've got to say that, haven't you? With this yeah. one of the Bellucci, they're not great, are they, like that? Right, we'll move on from that because because uh, <laughs> it's becoming problematic for this podcast. <laughs> it's, the, it's the age-old debate, isn't it? Do, do you allow these uh, debates to get the, the airtime they deserve? So, yes, I think we've we've looked at that very sensitively on the Read the Double Seven podcast. So we'll we'll move on. We'll move on from that dodgy scene to Hugh Edwards. He appears on on the news. <laughs> yeah, it's quite crisp. But was it? So that was presumably on the BBC, not CNN. We had CNN last. Yeah, I think it was on GCN as well, Gotham Cable Network. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, is is there an is there a you know? And of course, in all these things, there's like this image may disturb you or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's in the Dark Knight, but then it's in. It's in Signs, Tom. Another film that we've uh, we've mentioned. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was before them all, wasn't it? Yeah. Goodness, Brazilian me, video. What a scene. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, word. <laughs> yeah. Sounds dodgy, but it isn't. But Hugh Hugh, um, Hugh puts in a good shot. Yes. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. Definitely. Solid. <laughs> we then get to the abandoned island. You'd think it's pretty Bond. You see them on the boat first, 
and those men appear. Mm. And I'm a bit unclear. Yes. I'm, I'm a bit unclear what way around it is that has she sold Bond out a bit or did she know that? Um, I think so. Um, but that's the only way to go to, to get to his yeah. thing. I'd, I'd, I, was, I just wasn't quite clear. The, the only extent- chance of freedom, is it, maybe, for her? Yeah, yeah. If she brings Bond to try and take on him, maybe. But is she taking him in knowing, well, because Silver want no, you know, because Silver wants him brought in captive or something? Is is is? I I, I just couldn't quite tell the level of her. Yeah, what do you so. call it? Complicit, com, complicit. Whether she was complicit yeah, yeah. in in <laughs> bringing him in. <laughs> Again, in the hands of much skilled writers, would would have made made <laughs> the fact that she that that she was upset in the shower would have had weight <clears throat> because you would have known that she's upset in the shower because she's going back to see Silver without Bond, and there's no connection with that. There's no, there's nothing to to say that, and and she's and because you you know that she's afraid of silver, so the idea of her having to go on that yacht with all her with all the henchmen back to the island without Bond is terrifying, mm. and I think that that's where the weight is, but it's never there's, there's just nothing that's given, you know, wow. to it, which is a shame maybe. because again that is in itself a fantastic conceit, but maybe because they've already had one. Woman crying in shower scene two films ago, haven't they? So she, maybe she maybe that's why in shower she could just be <laughs> she could be very disappointed. <laughs> but again, but, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it could have it could have been a really good it could, that could have been, and he appears and she's relieved that he appears because it means she's off the hook, but also it means that she gets to you know spend an evening with a very considerate lover. But um, <clears throat> that's oh, yeah. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> in the shower, naked, <laughs> while she's crying, and it's yeah. the totally well, the What do you think? Yeah. I wouldn't feel anything. She are on this yacht, aren't they? This glorious yacht. Uh, they are off to this abandoned island, which is set in Hashima, I believe, just off the coast of Japan which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and people might think it was because it was bombed. It was something to do with the atomic bomb. No, nothing to do with that. It was abandoned after a coal mine was shut. Nothing to do with that. Wow. The external shots were were taken there, but filming was also on an abandoned island off Macau, obviously while they were in the area. The majority of the set, which you see, the main set, is at Pinewood, I'm afraid, again. But you can't, you would, there's a lot of filming there. You can't. You'd expect that to be done. Yeah. They, they basically built that whole block, those amazing towers and ruined, ruined, uh, empty, abandoned blocks from scratch. We get uh, nice little workers dressed in very crisp navy polo jumpers, tan trousers. The closest we probably get to the sort of the baddies at a layer of this Bond film. Yeah, I mean, personally, I do feel that this is a fantastic set. I, I love this set. I'll go on to this a bit later. But I actually, I've heard criticisms that people say they don't, they're not there enough. I actually love that it's just only in a bit in the center because what you then get is you get something that you've never had before and you get the reversal. So at the end, as opposed to the usual idea of a bond is that they go to the baddies' lair 
and they have the big battle, what you actually get is a complete switch around where the baddie goes to Bond's lair, and that's never happened before. And I think that's a lovely little flip side. Yeah. But I love that you actually get to see Silver's lair. And I think it is incredibly uh, reflective of the character. This guy is elusive. This guy is crazy. Uh, he's obviously a techno genius. But the fact that it is so sparse very much just highlights again that this guy isn't bothered about materialistic things. He has one purpose and it's chaos and it's chaos for M event. And you, the whole set focuses in on introduce this a little anarchy. So yeah, exactly. And it's, and I know, yes, we know it's got the, the dark Knight vibes. We know the introduction of about, of, of a villain coming in and giving a talk is very much like Heath Ledger saying, "Do you want to know I got those scars?" Very much. <laughs> it is very much like Colonel Hans Lander coming in and talking about the first, from the first scene of Inglorious Bastards. It's very in vogue at that point for a villain to come in and to do an introduction like that. It's also what Sam Mendes got Christoph Waltz to do, Inspector. The reason why this works for me more than the one Inspector does is because whilst he underplays it in terms of how he talks and he keeps it on a level, he goes crazy later on. So it's actually, it's deliberately restrained. The whole problem with the one inspector, with the cuckoo and all that, is that Christoph Waltz is only restrained. So it's like, it just yeah, sounds like yeah. he's rambling. There's no, there's no menace to it because there's never a change in the emotion. But actually, this one works for me very effectively because this guy is an absolute psychopath. And because he never goes into a rage at this point, it's actually more effective because we see them go into rage later on. Yeah. Having previously said, I want to see the bad person doing bad and, you know, rather than just being reported secondhand, I mean, I still stick by that. And, you know, we also said it could have been someone on behalf of the... Uh, of, of the main villain. But what I do love in films and in, uh, I think it does it pretty well in this film. When Severine talks about the, the villain, you know, silver, but he's not referred to by name, which I also like when she's talking about him, she talks about, you know, you, you can't, not, you know, I can't remember the exact words, but about you've not met anyone like, like him or do you know what I mean? So the audience is immediately like, right, who, who is this guy who, you know, he's, he must be, he must be real, real bad. Uh, and then as they're walking cuffed towards him, she talks as well about what he did to get the island or something like that. So again, it's that little bit more building up anticipation, like, right, you know, we're building up to finally meeting him. And, you know, when we meet him, I, I don't I don't have any qualms with this at all. I, I like it. And you're right, the way he... Um, it's not crazy the way he speaks. It's almost quite scary the way he's quite sort of level in the way that he delivers this this speech. And it's very nice, you know, front on, almost symmetrical screen, um, you know, visuals. And then he comes down and then it's one shot and he comes and he talks about the rats on the uh, on the island. Um, yeah, I like it. It's, it's, it's a villain being menacing and scary and you're immediately thinking, blimey. Bond's got his work cut out to uh, to deal with this guy, and I'm not sure what he's going to do next or say next, but it doesn't look good. So I I, I really like it, and Javier Bardem's outstanding, brilliant, brilliant coup to get him him to do it, and he he pulls off a great performance, and 
you know flies out the traps with this this speech the introduction to the character that the, the set the sense of menace the sense of unpredictability you know with the with the discussion about i suppose with him coming on to bond you know and bond kind of looking a little bit nervous but then sort of saying well how you know how do you know this is my first time kind of thing you know the the, yeah. the there's the, this scene is where skyfall is firing on all cylinders it is you know that his introduction the the dialogue the 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 discussions about like say about about the rats the he is genuinely menacing but but appealing and charismatic and interesting you want to know more about him he is his performance is absolutely fantastic i think it is one of the highlights of of modern bond is having him as as that character and that performance is yeah you know a benchmark he just plays it so well in a he's threatening but also very kind of you know kind of laid back he isn't he isn't shouting he isn't you know exactly eating the scenery he plays it so well that i can believe that he is a double o agent working at mm. hong kong completely believe that I can believe that he is someone who has felt betrayed, that, that there is that emotion, that, that he is... I, I get the, the reason why he wants to get back at M. I completely buy that wholesale. Uh, uh, his, like I say, his performance is fantastic. It is a highlight of the film. It is a cornerstone of the film. His performance is brilliant. The entrance is brilliant. The set is brilliantly sort of analogue, but not analogue with the whole kind of 80s you know kind of computers and the, and the screens and stuff fantastic yeah um just to um just to kind of add to that i remember some criticism or i've seen you know movie mistakes like there's no way that all that wiring would be need or needed or something like that i was like i just do not care about that it looks oh, sure. it looks really, it no, looks really good. um a couple yeah. of things he mentions you know substance addiction like oh so bond is is definitely a <laughs> some sort of alcoholic or you know <laughs> um and childhood trauma, which sort of sets up a bit of the, you know, what again a nod to what what's what's to come later. I, I want to be I want to be positive, and this is all positive, but I think it's it's one of my overall problems with the film. Probably my chief problem with the film is that having set this villain up so well, and also what you said, uh, Chris, about him being, you can believe that he was an agent. You know, almost like a bit more obviously interested in cyber sort of stuff, but you know, mirror image of Bond in some ways, not not completely. So I just think it's, it's a real shame that, you know, because he talks about, oh, you know, want to overthrow a government click, you know, and, and, and all that. It's really good. I wish that he'd had some overall scheme that was more than killing M. And I, I wish that it was, yes. you know, yes, he wants to kill M, but he wants to kill M by blowing up a, a major landmark or I know that sounds so babyish but I'm, I'm just spitballing here but um because she'd hate that as well that yeah yeah really she, she would see some she would see that she's failed in to protect that and then maybe kill her after that and yeah um I, so and and also which is what I was talking you know having not had a sensational fight with Patrice in Daniel Craig's four Bond films he's never had and we'll you know we'll, we'll come to this later He's never had a sort of final fight with the villain. The main villain, well, I don't know who the main villain in Casino Royale is. The main villain in um, Quantum of Solace is, <laughs> is 
he just talks. He, I don't know. He, he made him kill himself if or drink some petrol or something, and had some bullet, bullet, you know. And then Blofeld, yeah. Well, the less said, the better. But yeah, so but I think this really sets it up that you want to say, right? Well, he's a double O agent, so I want to see him and Bond yeah. come come together and have some sort of baffling. physical physical um, confrontation. So it's almost like because this scene is so good, I think it's just a little bit disappointing that we don't get those things later on in the film. Just to go to what you said, Marth, about about that being the main scheme about killing M. I know, Chris, you obviously feel that there's a lot of world is not enough links here. Well, world is not enough, does it? It has a bigger scheme as well. So because it has a bigger scheme, it gets away with it. Ultimately, as we all know, Silver succeeds in his mission because his sole mission his sole mission is to kill M. So if there was so you know, so if there was something <laughs> more, then actually it would have worked. I whilst I do agree with you about the point of you would wish there was a bigger climactic fight, I think it's deliberate that it's not, because I think they're really trying to highlight M as the main character. And, and and I actually don't think that maybe until the end, I don't even think Silver's that bothered about Bond. I think I think I think um, I think he's more bothered about M. And I think that really, I wonder if there's some kind of like bit of um, insecurity competition going on between the two. Between he sees it as that because obviously. He's supposed to sympathise with Silver a bit, or at least I do, because he was going on about the reason why he's like this is because he's been betrayed by M, which is what Daniel Craig was moping about, pretending to be dead at the start of the film. So there's like those mirror images there. Um, obviously, Craig comes back because to because Queen and Country, where uh, Silver goes off. Um, but I don't really think throughout it that he's all that bothered about Bond until the end. I don't necessarily get so worked up that there isn't that battle, but I can understand why you could get frustrated about it. Yeah, I, I, it, it is. It is part of you wants to have the face off, don't you? You want to have, the, yeah, the, you know, Bond fighting the villain. Movie. But also, this film is trying to do something different, and it is like, as you were saying, that 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 he isn't the target here. He is. Sort of he's <laughs> he's in the way, so it's it, 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 it's just it's a little bit frustrating, little bit frustrating that that you want to have that that final fight, but it needs to be kind of low key at the same time because it's it's to yeah, do with this personal vendetta kind of yeah no I, I, yeah. no I agree with it but uh, then what, that's why gold what, gold what gold. I mean is so say uh, actually maybe I should wait until we get to the ch- the church chapel scene or you know i just meant like when they're about to sh- when he's about to shoot them and he comes in and obviously throws a knife it would be more something like bond like, yeah, yeah just comes charging into him and then that leads into a fight or something like that that's all i'm you know and oh <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely yeah sure yeah, yeah but anyway you know i don't i don't i don't, I don't want to be too oh, i don't want to be too negative um particularly at this point because that, that's all to come because I, I i think this sets yeah, it up yeah, really yeah. well and sets him up as a a really memorable Bond villain. Really, really good. When I read it, I felt the script was very powerful and the character has dimensions to be played. Just look at you, chasing spies. MI6. 
so old-fashioned. Silva is angry because he was betrayed. He has been suffering that betrayal for years that almost end up with his life. So he wants some revenge. She sent you after me, not when you're not ready, not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. There was a desire to find uh, an adversary that would be equal to Daniel. And Javier Bardem's name was mentioned right at the very beginning. I think you've got to believe it. this person could exist, but I think they've got to be bigger than life as well. You've got to think this person is capable of doing anything to get what they want. I think it's great because it's something personal. It's not about destroying the world. So that helps me to have more kind of a realistic circumstances to work. But also it was an opportunity to do kind of a little homage to the villains in the sense that it's something that I've seen during the years and I thought it was a good opportunity to have fun also doing the job. He's extraordinary. I think he will be the best Bond villain we've ever had because he's so complex and he's dangerous and compelling. And when you have he and Daniel on the screen together, it's fireworks. But two survivors, this is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. So that was Barbara Broccoli, obviously Javier Bardem himself, and <laughs> Purvis and Wade chatting about the villain Raul Silva. Just mentioning uh, Javier Bardem himself, Mendez lobbied hard for him to accept the part. He was uh, picked, hand-picked by Mendez. And he saw potential for the character to be recognised as one of the most memorable in the series, which he probably is now. He's probably the most memorable villain, you could say, since, I don't know, Sanchez, arguably. I'm just, just thinking off the top of my head as a, as a individual villain. I know I know, John will be screaming Electric King or Renard. Anyway, no, we'll, we'll, that's I, another... I, I... <laughs> 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 stop, stop. No, no. Uh, yeah, so apparently Bardem wanted to create something that the audience may consider to have been absent from the Bond movies for a long time. And that uh, he felt, uh, sorry, this is Menace, he felt that Bardem was one of the few actors able to become colourless and exist as more than just a function of the plot. So in preparing for the role, Bardem had the script translated into his native Spanish. He's from the Canary Idols. He's from Gran Canaria, actually. I didn't know that. So Mendes, Mendes was pleased that he, that he did that. He knew he was committed. I think it was Bardem's idea to have this distinct visual look by dyeing his hair blonde, which I think is pretty scary, isn't it? And not only maybe is that meant to be sort of an anti-Bond. We mentioned, I think, possibly, is it meant to be alluding back to Red Grant, perhaps? Uh, that sort of striking opposite to Bond in From Us With Love. Also, some commentators thought it, it was a very striking resemblance to Julian Assange from WikiLeaks, which was, of course, it heavily used at the time. Well, you know, what? Andy's into surveillance a bit, isn't he, and all that sort of stuff. And very much. But he's, yeah. not as, he's not as much of a geek as Assange, is he? He's, he's actually been you know, in the field, to be fair. <laughs> not just stuck up in an embassy for a few years. <laughs> anyway, going back to Bardem, he... He played, he played junior rugby for Spain. He's uh, famously married to Penelope Cruz, and uh, he met her on the excellent Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I don't know whether any of you have seen that. Uh, Woody Allen, yep. good Woody Allen film. Before he, you know, he had to be erased from the conversation. It, this is interesting. He, uh, <laughs> he learnt English through ACDC songs. I, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of them. 
can't picture the very, very crisp, but anyway. His first Hollywood are, film. Don't, don't, oh, hang on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, good. Never presume. Never assume. No. Well, hang on a minute. I love a bit of hack dog. Well, good. Oh, that's that's something I can say. That's very pleasing. Good 80s rock. He uh, His first proper Hollywood film was Collateral, which he wasn't a massive, massive part in that. He then gained attention for The Sea Inside. And then, of course, I'm sure the inspiration, the reason that Mendes wanted him and the producers wanted him was, of course, for his Oscar-winning turn in No Country for Old Rope. Uh, sorry, old man, that was a private joke. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he was definitely the best thing in the film, wasn't he, let's be honest. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean films, Dead Men Tell No Tale, he was Salazar. And then he was in Mother. I mean, you could spend two or three hours talking about that film, my word. Fascinating. <laughs> A few films that, you know, are less, probably less famous roles. The much-hated, but I quite like to eat, pray, love. I mean, my wife Jennifer was drooling all over him at the end. And it's a very unpopular film. I, I'm, I can't quite understand the absolute hatred for it, but <laughs> it's quite a nice holiday. I've not know, seen it. Escapism for women type film, wasn't it? That's sexist saying that probably. For women. I'm obviously very feminine in my taste. Anyway, I fell in love with him in that <laughs> film. Two other underrated, underrated films that I've seen him in. Uh, one of them is, I'm obsessed with, though, The Gunman, which is basically Sean Penn's attempt at Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. Very successful, I thought. I, I I really enjoyed it. The cast is absolutely incredible. It's got yeah, it's Idris Elba in about two scenes. It's got uh, Mark Rylance. Probably his best role I've seen him in. Uh, <laughs> it's like an amazing scene at a bullring as well at the end. And a, a fight with the, the end villain with Mark Rylan. It's just crazily underrated. This is another Ridley Scott film that was completely, not particularly lambasted, but oh, that was a bit of a waste of a great cast. The Counselor saw it, and because oh, I'd heard yeah. such dreadful things, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Anyway, right, I've I've given you a heck of a lot of films to just think about there, but yeah. <laughs> John, you just start. What, what are your thoughts on uh, what a massive back catalogue already this great guy has? So Javier Bardem. Oh, I, I've got to confess that my knowledge of Javier Bardem before Skyfall was, apart from No Country for Old Men, which I thought he was frightening in, was Eat, Pray, Love, which I utterly despise. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, <laughs> which oh. I do think is a, I do think is a, it's a good film actually. It's a good film. I thought he just kind of played a bit of a stereotypical player kind of smart guy in it. Player, I, <laughs> player. But I, yeah, so I didn't really think. Oh, he's got massive acting chops from watching that. And when I first saw that he was having blonde hair for Skyfall, I remember talking to your brother Harry about this and saying this just really isn't right. This looks wrong completely. And it's just one of those things that I have to put my hands up and say, I got totally wrong because I think... Stop getting Bond wrong. I I got (laughs) Bond wrong massively. He smashes it out of the park in this film. This is an iconic villain, and the blonde hair is one of the reasons why. And and I did like one of my unofficial rankings of Bond villains from each film. And he he actually came fourth. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think he's brilliant. I think that. he's absolutely superb. I think he's the highlight of the film, Chris. 
I think he's, he's the highlight of the film. I think he's his his performance is is fantastic. He is able, like I mentioned, like he's able to be sort of you know sinister, but low key. He's not chewing the scenery. I think he also he's you look at his back catalogue. You know, obviously we're working within sort of Spanish cinema and stuff. But he's he's in Darren Aronofsky's Mother, which is. An astonishing performance, you know, and not an Super. easy performance, not an easy film to watch. You know, he Very is, he's, he's <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I can't. I, li- I really liked film. it. I didn't like it, I, but rated it as a film. No, I think Mother is a, is a fantastic film. It's not an easy film to watch, but um, Mother. It's, 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 <laughs> John's you're not a fan of Mother. Mother. I've not been a fan of any Darren Aronofsky film, and that one is the utter nadir for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was intrigued, not intrigued by it. I think he's obviously a good filmmaker. Just, we're going off tangent here, aren't we? But but he, <laughs> he, I, I've got to be honest. Like I'm not an absolute author. I've never been to I've never been to film school. I like seeing messages. I like reading into stuff, but predominantly I watch a film to be entertained. That is, that's just me. And that's my sense of sensitivity. I don't get entertained by Darren, Darren Aronofsky films, unfortunately. That's me. Mother. I do. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a fair, that's a fair comment. Definitely. John. So obviously in no country for all men, he was rightly revered. Math, I think you're you're a fan of the chap, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I've not seen I've I've not seen um, Eat, Pray, Love or Vicky Cristina Barcelona, or quite a few of those other films. But I, yeah, I saw Mother, and you know, I found it pretty traumatic and really oh, so uncomfortable in the way it's shot and the stuff that you're seeing and everything. And I don't, I, you know, I was trying to think. Well, that's obviously. Uh, some sort of religious thing, but it's not, you know, it doesn't quite all fit together as an allegory of Christ. And then there's a bit of creation in there, but then there's mother earth and all this <laughs> sort of thing. But it was so when, when the, all the people started coming into their house, I was like, I, I'm going to have to throw up. Or oh, anyway, so dressful. Um, oh, but just, horrible. just in terms of Bardem, he's always, he's always got real presence. I love that scene. Um, in no country for old men. I have, I've only ever seen that at the cinema. I'd like to watch it again. I, at, a, at like a shop or a gas station, as they say in America, mm-hmm. does he do a bit of a sort of monologue there? Possibly. Yeah. Um, I can't. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't really remember that, but I remember being struck by it at the time. But then I absolutely love Collateral, um, and oh, yeah, I think he's really good in that. He's not. He's only in it in the middle of it, um, and he gives a great, again, a great sort of monologue about his children and the, who they're scared of at Christmas. And it's so well shot the way, like, um, he's to the right of the camera facing Jamie Foxx, who's further right. It, it's like, it, lo- it just looks amazing. And he's he's got that presence again. And it's, you know, he delivers a speech, um, second level dialogue. It's it, it's all great. And then, so, so that's why when he was casting this, I was like, yeah, there's a very good chance that he's going to be, he's going to be great in it. And he is. And they do, they, they do get, so much right with him you know I've, I've mentioned my concerns about the the plot and him not facing bond but but yeah he you know really really good character he, he is up there for a for a bond film
may well get onto a, an episode about directors we'd like to do a Bond film now. I think we all love Michael Mann. That would be fascinating, wouldn't it, to see? He, he's, he's not too much of an auteur, is he? He, he is an auteur and he isn't. In the they're not the films are a bit meandering and a bit arty, but they just about make sense compared to Darren Aronofsky. I think I'd. I'd I don't think I'd watch sense. it if Aronofsky did one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think but I could Michael watch Mann. it, honestly. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, just going back to the, the scene, the introductory scene with Javier Bardem as Raul Silva, we get a nice reference to Station H, Hong Kong. This seems to be a running theme yes. again, <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Station so I was India. Presumably, the two of them must have been double agents at a similar time, but they that doesn't mean they would have met because, of course, they'd only meet on the training, really, wouldn't they? Or on Zoom calls, or who knows? <laughs> well, if he had his, if he had his DB five back in the sixties, surely you know, oh, no. would have known him during the eighties. Uh, John, oh. you'll be allowed to you'll be allowed to defend the DB five. Yeah. I've got four pages ready to come back at you about the DB five. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than the script for Skyfall, maybe. Silver does know about Bond's, like we said, his alcohol and substance abuse. He knows about his fake test scores, even, and his unresolved childhood trauma. So we assume that's because, I don't want to be too critical, we assume that that's because he's hacked into everything, because later we find out he's hacked into Q's, this amazing tech genius, but he's obviously not that good if he's managed to have that whole thing hacked. Yeah, I, I assume that's why he knows it. It's not like some pathetic plot hole, is it? That that's why. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume that's yeah. Yeah, because he he said oh, he's just said yeah. about how he can do all these things, how he can hack into to what not to do terrible things, and then pretty much very soon after that, he talks about you know, and he, he, he you see him going to the computer to to say to quote lines from his assessment. He then blames uh, the scars on M, so he must have known about all that, the opening attempted murder of James Bond. Does he have those? No, no, I won't go down that route. I was going to say, does he have the scars in the in the future films? Forget that. Forget as far as I'm aware, this is the first and only, is it, homosexual exchange that Bond has with another character? Yeah, I suppose the most old Bond has, certainly. Homosexual. Yeah, 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 yeah. I found it refreshing because it is Bond is... Oh, is aware of of homosexuality. He is, and also the whole point of the scene is to make Bond feel a bit uneasy. But then it doesn't work because he is aware of that. It's not, you know, back in the day it would have been oh, I don't know, sort of, you know, he would have been really kind of struggled with it. But the fact that he does say, you know, what makes you think this is my first time, makes it surprising. It's nice to be surprised by Bond. But are they both? I, do you I, think they're both pretending. Do you think, like, uh, first of all, Silver? Silver might not be gay. We don't know. He might be using that in his arsenal to try and yeah. get at Bond. And obviously, Bond's using it back because we assume Bond. We don't know. We assume Bond hasn't had that. <laughs> He's just trying to get the better of Silver, isn't it? It's all mind games, really. Yeah, I mean, I I totally go down the line that I think that 
I don't take it as that Silver's gay. I think it's more that Silver's intimidating him. And it's a new, fresh way of trying to intimidate him. And I think that one of the themes that have gone through this film is questioning the relevance of Bond, questioning the relevance um, if he's aged. And he's obviously, before that, Silver's gone down the route of showing him how technology is the new way forward and the relevance of MI6. And actually, I wonder if this is yet another way of just trying to question that and saying is that, you know, yeah. we're in a different society to the one that we'd previously known. How are you going to respond to that? And I, I actually really like what Chris said about how how Bond responds to it proves that, yes, he is still relevant to today's society. It works so well. I think it, it, the acting is superb, uh, you know, especially Bardem. The whole, oh, Mr. Bond. We really like like yeah. the character, don't we? You really like, oh, I love this guy. Uh, and I, I want to know more about him. He's obviously witty. He's obviously carefree. Even though he's trying to annoy Bond, we don't mind as an audience. But yeah, like with that line, how do you know uh, it wasn't my first, uh, was it, how do you know I wasn't my first time he you sort of like you like bond a bit more than you usually do with the daniel craig films don't you with that retort so i think definitely <laughs> there are positives in this film there are positives <laughs> but then i'm sorry this is a negative i'm afraid it seems that even ralph silver hates the the desmond llewellyn days because he he says those fools in q branch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm goading i'm goading yeah, again. Be a bit weird if he was like, "Oh, those legends in." <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I love those gadgets. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's hasn't he? He they're fools because his technology is better than theirs. I, I assume that's part of it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it ties into the fact that 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 M says, you know, I can do more damage on my laptop. Yeah. Sorry, Q. I don't buy you as a yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Judy. Bless her. She's M, she's not Judy. She's a character. Yeah. We we then go to a a pretty horrible scene, don't we? They go back outside onto the into the island, the the outside of the island, and lovely Charles Tennant song, "Boom" is being played mm. on the on the loudspeaker. Who my my favourite Charles Tennant song, <laughs> which isn't a phrase people say often. He <laughs> he did the original "Beyond the Sea," which was the French version, which was used as the the yeah the ITV twenty sixteen. Yes, France yours, yeah. Yeah. La mer. Yes, so that's Charles Tennant. <laughs> that was being played as Severine is tied up. We then get this this horrible game shooting whiskey off the top of a head, which is pretty horrible to watch. Uh, do, do you like this? Maths, math, do you like the scene, yeah? Yeah, I think it's uh, effective. I think it's really uncomfortable. I, I You know, I like it in a it film where, it, <clears throat> where uh, a, uh, a villain or character makes the protagonist do something that they really do not want to do and they've got to you know they've got to somehow get out of it and obviously he um he puts the whiskey on the head and so on a recent for your reconsideration <laughs> it's a tenuous link here but 
on the Quick and the Dead episode, did you hear them talking about? Sorry, there's a scene in that film, uh, a flashback scene, uh, where <laughs> um, the child has to shoot <laughs> a rope. <laughs> It's so awful for my father. Who's <laughs> right, so I'm sorry. I'll uh, I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop laughing, and I shan't, I shan't ruin the film. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, um, you know the fact that to try and shoot with those old-fashioned pistols, I like that as well. Um, to try and shoot the uh, the glass off off her head is pretty. Oh, it's really really dark. Same time is six minutes. Six minutes. Check. And also, just to bring it back to my previous point, it's another Bond and Silver. They're sort of cut, a bit cut from the same cloth. Let's see how they do in, the, in this battle, and then because they're definitely going to have a, a big old battle at the end. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm. My my uh, my qualms with this scene are how easily and quickly it's tied up. Um, personally, yes. I think he, he. Well, actually, there's another qualm I have with it. Um, I, li- I like the setting. I like the idea of the duel and everything. Um, and then, obviously, he shoots her, and without you know, doesn't smash the glass tight or uh, without without spilling. I can't remember what the the aim of the game was again. Um, shoots it without spilling. Yeah, um, but anyway, that is pretty pretty horrific when he does that. Pretty shocking, you know. I, I remember feeling really shocked when I saw that in the in the in the cinema. It's a shame that they don't give him more. They don't give. Bond and Craig more time to react to that and show his sadness and you know thinking oh you know she wanted me to cut she wanted me to come here and save her and and, and I've, I've failed in that and she's she's died and and he says you know a damn good waste of scotch or something like that and I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I know a part of that is not you know that's not what he actually thinks but I don't know you then don't get a, a moment later where he he is not grieving, but you know what I mean. Feeling some, some mm. sadness over over her death, uh, and then also I think it's a bit quick um, with the um, he, he he's able to get get the better of Silver's men and then Silver very very quickly, yeah. and then you know it's called a radio from those fools at fools at Kew Branch or whatever, and then suddenly all the helicopters. I don't know. I, <laughs> I just think it's a bit too, <laughs> bit too quick, bit too easy, bit too to neat and tidy. Silver, well, yeah, yeah, but we'll come on to that. But uh, yeah, like I say, it starts off really well the, the scene, and I think it's it's dark, it's affecting, but then it just just doesn't resolve the best for me. No, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think for, for for me, the weight of the scene should have, have, have harked back to when Bond is trying to get back into being a double O agent where he cannot shoot. This is where the scene is about. It is about, yeah, he, yeah. he is, he is not a sharp shooter yeah. anymore. And it doesn't have that dramatic weight where it should have tied back to where he misses and he misses and he gets cross yeah. and he runs towards the target. Yeah, yeah. He just empties the, 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 the cartridge into the, the thing. Yeah, it's and I think that's that I can again on paper that's what they're trying to do. It doesn't quite gel enough, and but if they just had a moment where it reminded the audience that that as Bond held up that old fashioned pistol, he's, he remembers the last time he held up his pistol, or you know, you know, he was he was under the pressure of having to shoot a target. He completely missed 
you know, and 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 then got angry, would have had more sort of drama to it. Mm. I think it is a great yeah. scene. I think it, I think I think the music makes you feel a little bit uneasy. You know, it, it, and, and that's why I like the use of music when it comes to silver. Like, obviously, towards the end with the. Do, boom, do you mean boom, the boom. song, Chris, rather than? Yeah, the, sorry, the so, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. The, the music that plays with yeah, the yeah. loudspeakers, sort of puts you feel, you know, sort of knocks you off. You know, um, just makes you feel a bit uneasy, and that that he, the way that he plays it, that he is sort of slightly tender towards her, but obviously, what his acts, you know, and the fact that, that what he's trying to do is place this you know, a glass of very expensive whiskey on her head to shoot it off is is shocking. And then she, you know, obviously what happens to her is is shocking. But you're right, it does end up wrapping up very quickly and suddenly here come the helicopters and then it ends. I can't disagree with anything that's been said. I suppose I give it a bit of a free pass on the basis that the fact that you think that, oh, this ties up quite quickly is a bit all too convenient, which is what Silver wants it to be. That's the that I'm not saying that that's like the best excuse. No, no, that's fair comment, I think. But that's my thoughts on it. Chris, I was expecting yeah. you to compare this to the Living Daylight, surely. You missed deliberately. <laughs> surely. <laughs> Can't I've only just thought about it. But he, but he yeah, could have it, made more of that, couldn't they? Yes, yes. I feel that they should have. Like you say, they could have they could have done the bit where he was shaking a little bit, and then it was a question of he was obviously trying to miss because obviously we can't have Bond just shooting her for absolutely no reason. But then he might have I don't know grazed her or something, and it was like oh heck, I was trying to miss her completely. That's that tension between trying to miss her and knowing that is he still got the shot in order to not actually kill her accidentally in the process. But yeah, it might have confused the audience a bit too much. Maybe that's the only thing I'd say. Just as a side note, she looks absolutely stunning in that scene. <laughs> John, are you all right? Is that what you're into? Bloodied nose. Tied up, look. No, tied up. No, I'm, right. Well, I've, I've dug myself a real hole now. <laughs> no, what I mean is, is, is that she's naturally beautiful. Like when you strip away all the um, all the makeup and the pretense from, say, the casino scene, and you've just got a makeup free, she's a naturally beautiful woman. But you see the vulnerability there as well, yeah, yeah. and I just think it's very effective. Yeah, the the audience are definitely very upset when she when she when she died. It was a shocking moment in the cinema again. Yeah, yeah, and it really was one of the more brutal bits in the Bond series, you could say. Join us for part four, where Raoul Silver's plan comes into fruition. He manages to escape, attack the MI6 inquiry before pursuing M and Bond to Scotland. Welcome to Scotland, indeed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.